All right, everybody, welcome back to It's the Journey. Before I get into my episode and conversation with my guest, Molly Embergy, I need to catch up on catch up on a few different things, some housekeeping things. Uh, those are that are regular listeners may have noticed that last week was the first week I didn't release that episode since I started this whole project, and that's just because I've been playing catch up. Uh, as you know, I still have a day job, and I got back from Dublin. I don't know, almost you know, a month and a half ago now, so I hit the ground running with that, with work and work stuff, day job stuff and all the things and I just needed I just needed to take a break so I did. And so I'm back with that. Um in addition last week um in addition to all the other things I was doing, I was able to, I I needed to focus on getting my my book Afterlife uploaded to Audible's um platform. As you know, I mentioned months ago that I finally finished recording it, and then I went to upload it in July, and there was issues with, um, apparently you have to have a separate copyright for an audio form of your book, which nobody told me. So then I had to like pause and check back with my attorney and get that whole thing figured out. So it took a while to do all that. And then um, last Thursday, I finally successfully uploaded it. And then I got the confirmation email from Audible saying, congratulations, it's uploaded. Uh, now we're going to listen to it. And so they said in 10 business days, they'd get back to me and let me know if either I'm good to go or if I need to go back and edit or correct a few things. And my um, my audio engineer, Rich Harris, over at, at um, Shock City said, he did his very, very best to to do it right the first time. Not that he was doing anything wrong, but like he knows what they're looking for. Um, and so I think we're in good shape, but but I won't be surprised if they make me redo something. So that was a thing. That was a big thing. So anyway, um, so with this, oh, and then one more thing. I uh, have a live author reading happening this week. On Friday the 22nd at the Social Goods Marketplace over here in uh, the Shaw neighborhood on Shenandoah. If you just look up the Social Goods Marketplace, uh, you can find that. I'm doing author reading. Is at 7 o'clock. Again, Friday, October 22nd at 4002 Shenandoah Avenue. And you'll get to come. I'll do a little bit of a reading from the book. I'll do some Q&A. There's going to be wine there from Strange Fruit Group. You can sample some wine for that. And you can get tickets and all that stuff on um, the social website. So I really, really hope you're there. I would love to see it. You get a signed copy of the book for showing up and with, with your ticket. Uh, blah, 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 blah. So yeah, there we go. <laughs> so get that. And okay, so uh, this episode went longer than normal, and I listened to the whole thing, and I edited out the the pieces that I needed to, and I just decided to break it into two pieces, and they are going to be equal length, um, because right in the middle of, you know, in our first twenty or minutes or so, uh, Molly and I were recording, and I was obviously at my house, and she was recording from a coffee shop. And her battery died on her laptop. And so I address all that in the podcast. But I think that's a good 
that's a good stopping point. And then I, I'll pick back up on the second one. So I'm going to release this as two episodes because we hit on really cool things with all the fun things she's doing with um, plays that she's produced and her stand-up comedy and even relationship advice and advice on um, how she makes and keeps time for her passions as an individual and as part of a couple. And so there's so much great advice in there and wisdom that Molly shares that I didn't want to cut any of it out. So I'm going to release both of them this week. I think it's, uh, I'll release the first one. Uh, if you're hearing this, it'll be Tuesday and I'll release the second one on Thursday. So with all that, let's, uh, let's jump into the episode. Thank you so much. And again, if you like what I'm doing, don't forget to like, follow, share in all the places and give it a quick review and do what you can to spread the word so others can also do the fun things they want to do in life. Thanks so much. Hey, I'm Carlo, Carlo Pietro Sanfilippo, and this is my podcast. With this project, I want to explore the means, methods, tools, and examples of living on purpose, living the life we want, doing the things that light us up, things that make us feel like we're alive, growing, making a difference, and enjoying the process along the way. Welcome to It's the Journey. Okay, everybody, welcome back to It's the Journey. Uh, thank you for everybody that's coming back to listen. And if this is your very first episode, thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Carlo Pietro Sanfilippo. And today, I'm super duper excited about my guest, Molly Ambergy. So Molly, uh, when, when I tell you when I tell you everything she's done, you're gonna think. Well, so I'll, I'll start with she graduated SLU in 2013. But when I tell you everything she's done, you're gonna think that's off by a decade or more because she's a busy lady. Uh, so Molly studied theater and journalism at SLU. And then she went on to go work at a theater called the Good People Theater for five years. She's produced plays in St. Louis, Cincinnati, Covington, Kentucky, Chicago, Illinois. She's been performing stand-up for five years, and she's in the sixth season of her own podcast, the Casually Molly Podcast, where she interviews you know comedians and musicians and people in entertainment from St. Louis and all around the country. And I was lucky enough to be on that show. And getting to know her and see what her passions are, it's, it's really cool seeing how she's married. Actually, what she studied is, is present in her life, this love of theater and love of journalism. And I didn't even know Molly had a journalism background when we did the, when we did the podcast, but she's such a professional that when I learned that, I'm like, oh, well, duh, no, no, there's no surprise there. So uh, with all that, let's dive in and meet Molly because I know she's got, she's someone that's pursuing her dreams, pursuing her passions and seems this really cool work-life balance that I know will inspire you to hopefully allow you to say yes to whatever it is you're thinking about or maybe have pushed back kind of into the recess, recesses of your life. So um, with all that, let's meet Molly. Molly, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, I told Carlo earlier, I'm sitting outside <laughs> in front of Sugar Beans Coffee Shop. I uh, 
am very happy to be here. And uh, we're just having coffee together via virtual, obviously. But I love it. This is great. And that was a lovely intro. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you. No, thank you so much for joining me. And, you know, I don't always do this, but sometimes every now and then I'll find um, as I'm preparing for a show and thinking about my guest and thinking about what I want to talk about and what I want to dive into, occasionally a quote will come to mind um, that really encapsulates what I want to dive into. And I, and I found that I found one for today. So I don't do this every time. Okay. But, I'm ready. Uh, and I love okay. quotes. So this is fantastic. Yes. It's Perfect. very fitting. Okay. <laughs> awesome. So this is from Steve Jobs. And he said, if you're working on something exciting that you really care about, you don't have to be pushed. The vision pulls you. And for you, I was thinking about, because you and I have this thing where, you know, we have day jobs, but then there's a, a, a thousand other things that we're doing that we're passionate about and excited about. Yeah. <laughs> and they, don't, yes. they don't feel like work. We're doing it. And I've had, especially as I restructured my life and made space, intentionally made space for those things. I got rid of things I didn't like to do and started doing things I did like to do. I got sometimes almost like, is like judgment. Well, how do you have time for all that stuff? Right. Well, oh, yeah. It just seems like all you're doing is your fun things. Like, you know, <laughs> I, haven't, I, I haven't cut the grass for 10 years. I haven't cleaned the gutter for 10 years. I haven't done all the things I didn't I cut out things I didn't like to do. And you didn't right. judge me for, for that because that's what everybody right. else is doing. So, yeah. <laughs> so I want to I, I want to dive into like, let's talk more about what you're doing and what does it even mean to produce a play? I like I like what's involved with that, and then you know your how you've married this passion of journalism and and theater and stand up comedy and uh, the million things you're doing in this this short little window you've had since graduating college. So. Absolutely. Oh well, you make me feel so good about myself because sometimes I you know I've done all these things, but you know I think and I being somebody also interviews people on a podcast, you know, you always hear these accomplished people saying like, but what's next and what's more. And I couldn't like agree more with them. Like sometimes I feel like I'm not doing enough. <laughs> and so I really appreciate all the nice things you're saying, just validating me. It feels really good. So I'm in comedy. I'm just kidding. But yes. um, what, when I was in college, the reason why I did a double major, especially at St. Louis University, was because that was one of the few schools, normally you have to choose like one or the other, like you have to have a journalism major or you can only be a theater major. And props to those people who dedicate their whole life to journalism or to theater. But I wanted to also do kind of like the business side of theater, like write press releases, mostly, and I say business more like on the marketing sector, like I always liked uh, putting, I always liked the excitement of like putting together a poster or a flyer, which is very important when you're producing something. If your flyer doesn't look good or it doesn't look professional, people don't want to come to your show. Like it's mostly just your family and your friends. So your flyer means like this, like your, your flyer's your moneymaker. So just, just a thing for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, so how I got into good people theater, that was just a little company that I ran for five years. I just did a little sole proprietorship, but when I was 23, I was like working with all these different theater companies in St. Louis, Missouri. And I started seeing a lot of writer directors produce their own shows. And, uh, in your early twenties, you have like a lot of confidence. You're like, I can do that. Why not? Yep. I can definitely right. do it. 
So long story short, I like still like can't like I think of it now where I'm like, I got to be 23 again. I need that confidence again. But I remember I wrote this play. It was just like a 30, 35 minute long short one act called Old Wounds. Uh, My best like one of my best friends, Cara Barisi, she was my star. My friend Will Von Figlia was my assistant director. He was wonderful. Um, but I had this idea. I didn't want it to be an original show. I wanted it to be in, like, when people walked into the show, I wanted to feel like they were in the show. So I was like, what a better place than, like, the Moonrise Hotel. It's got, um, for those who are not familiar with it, it's in the Loop, the Del Mar Loop here in St. Louis. And they have a restaurant there. They have a bar there so people could get food and drinks beforehand. And then I had... Um, my friends were ushers, like every, one of my, fr- like, and that's again, great circle of friends. They were ushers for the show. So they would wait in the lobby. Us, you had to have a key card to go up the elevator. So you would uh-huh. take each guest up and down. And then there was somebody waiting for you at the door. And you walked into the Betty Grable suite, which looked over the city and you saw the St. Louis and everything. And then this play began. So that kind of jump started everything. Um, yeah, but yeah, I've done stuff with the St. Louis Fringe Festival, the Chicago Fringe Festival, which I'm not sure is actually anymore, but uh, there is a lot of work into it. You have to write it, have a read through, um, make sure it's exactly what you sound. Sometimes when you have actors that read a play, they actually like give you an idea maybe you didn't think about. So I'm like, oh, you know, let me write this in. That actually sounds like a good idea. Um, cool. It doesn't happen all the time, but it's uh, it's definitely a process. So once you finally have that opening night, you're like, oh, I can breathe. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, so you hit on several things I want to touch back on. One, yeah, oh, that, that feeling of like, I'm not, no, no, no. It's like, it's, it's, it's exciting. Cause like, I never know, I never know the direction of like where this is going to go. And that's fun for me. It's, this is fun oh, for good. me discovering. Yeah. Yeah. So when you said that feeling of like, not feeling like you're doing enough and I, that's super, mm-hmm. that's so, so common, but just, and that's the whole point of this. Like it's the journey. It's like what you're, you're saying, you're, you're saying, yes, you're doing things, you're learning, you're growing, and then it leading to the next thing and the next thing and the thing. So that, that all is enough. It's not how fast you're going. It's that you're, that you're saying yes to something in some way and you're, you're doing a lot. So congrats. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> And then I recently had like a couple of affirming experiences that totally like uh, confirm what you said about the poster. Um, I think I, I don't know if you know, like a couple of weeks ago I was in I was in Dublin with to get dropping my son off at grad school and I, I was saw, in this little yeah. cafe. Yeah, so I was in this little cafe and there was a poster. It said the day of the zebra. And it had this skeleton and it, and that was like it was just so intriguing. It was a play and I'm like well, that sounds interesting. I'm like, oh, it's going to be here, like here in this, in this building. And I looked at the dates and I'm like, oh, it works. And so like I asked my son and he wanted to go, we went there for his birthday. And it sounds like a very similar experience where like they turned this neat little cafe slash bookstore, they rearranged the tables into this theater in the round. And then we ordered wine and cheese and charcuterie and, and sat there with a small number of people in this super, like the actors were just right there it felt like we were just like spectators to something that was really happening. Like, yes, like a real thing. And we were all just, and and so, yeah. So you created that here. I wish I would have, I wish I would have known that that existed then. 
So. Oh my God. Well, I'm thinking about doing it again because I've been on a few podcasts where the story has come up just simply because, you know, in like Facebook memories, it's like, here's the review from the Ladoo News and like HGCTV. And people are like, remember when you did that? I used to do, there was another one, speaking of a restaurant, I did another play in a coffee shop here in Restituo in Shaw neighborhood right after that. It was so, I mean, unfortunately it's there no more, but it was just really cool to like, it was exactly like people were having coffee and then all of a sudden the actors just come in and you're like, whoa, there's a show that's going on. But those are like my favorite. I have done like a few, not like a traditional, traditional, but like if it's like an empty canvas, but it's in the city. Um, But those are always the experiences that I like. And I, I, I had seen it done before in other ways. Um, with different companies around the area and around the country. So I was like, that's a little bit more for me. Like, I feel like people, there's always that fourth wall in theater, right? So it's like, oh, I feel like, you know, I'm not going to be a part of the show. I'm not going to, you know, I kind of feel like you're separated from the actors. But when you have something like that, it almost makes you feel like, oh, theater is for everybody. I'm not by myself on this. Right, right. Well, in this one, so there was, we were surrounded. We surrounded the actors, and it was a it was a play about a, a medic. It was a play about some doctors. So like, sure. I and I had been having. Tea. <laughs> I started having yes. afternoon tea there, which was never something I've done before. I'm like, I had a tea and a scone almost every day, just just because I could. Um, but on the table, there was actually like like a fake syringe in with the uh, sugar for the coffee and just like oh. a stuff. There was, there were little things. So all of a sudden the, the fourth wall was kind of like just leached out just a little bit into our yes. space, which was mm-hmm. fun. Um, so that, yeah, that was a, that was a, yeah, I would love, I would love more of that in St. Louis. It's just, and, and, and I think it played in like multiple theaters within Dublin. So like, um, nice. or, and s- similar little cafe kind of experiences, you know? Yes. So Yeah. Yeah, if that's if that's something that uh, you're inspired to do, I, I would I would love more of that in our city. Okay. Well, after this episode, we'll chat. I'll be like, so what do you think? Let's see. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Well, well, cool. And then what? So I maybe and maybe everyone in my audience is going to be like, well, that's that's dumb, Carlo. But like, I don't know what like what does it really mean to produce a play? Like, what's like? It's, so is it just you're the you're the you're the general contractor that's pulling everything together or what, what, what's happening? That's actually a really, no, it's definitely not a dumb question. Um, there've been a lot of people who will see, um, what I've done. And like, like most recently I did a show at the St. Louis Fringe Festival a couple of years ago, just because we had the pandemic. So we had the, uh, it really was a couple of years ago. It was like one of the plays I did right before, before everything. Yeah. And, um, it was a play that was in a festival, Uh, somebody else had produced it another theater company had and then I was like all right I think I'm ready to produce it because I wanted my friend Kara in there and I hadn't produced a play two years prior to that because I was doing so much comedy so I actually had to reteach myself how to do it I'm like so Molly because you go from producing nine plays a year to not producing anything at all it's kind of like okay do I know how to ride this bike again do I know how to make it happen and so Uh I remember I like went through my script and my rewrites try to see like okay like what makes something sound different and like I I think I mentioned this earlier but Kara uh 
is really good about giving me input. Like we almost have our little own dialogue and our little own read through for it. Um, the other thing for that too is like, I'm like, how do I do my marketing? Sometimes the press contacts you have aren't the same press contacts you used to have. Um, the, you know, so you're like, who's new, what's happening, uh, and the relevancy. Do I feel like this is going to be relevant? Uh, which is a real time piece to your work. If you do it multiple times and it still hits multiple times, that means it's something. So that's why I, you know, I always laugh when sometimes people are like, oh, you know, the Fox Theater, it's so grandiose and, you know, it's not like, you know, a dark, edgy play and stuff. I'm like, I know, but the reason why people keep coming back to these musicals or these shows is because they're timeless, you know? So you have to remember that. But to answer your question, (laughs) I, um, I, I, like, you know, I'm like, I know it's like, you know, going on our tangent about theater, but no, it's super um, interesting. I don't know anything. This is all new to me. So, Oh, good. No, I, I always feel bad because I could talk about this for days, but the, the point is, is that yes, there's a lot of moving parts and you have to really stay on top of stuff. Um, sometimes less is more like I've never produced a play over more than four people just because I want to make sure that people get paid, (laughs) especially if we have travel, things like that. Um, But there's definitely a lot of process to it because first, when you start a play, you have your piece, right? And for me, all the plays I produced, I wrote and everything sounds good in your head. But then sometimes when you sit at a table read, you're like, Oh, this needs to be different. Oh, I don't know if I like this. And then when you do rehearsals, that's where it really gets going, where you have to, they call it blocking, where you have to, you know, stage everybody and you have to make it look organic. Um, I've seen a lot of people direct something where it just looks like somebody's placed or excuse me, the actors look a little lost on stage. And I had a great teacher in college. Uh, His name was Tom Martin. He was my directing teacher. He works over at Shakespeare Festival. Haven't seen him in a minute, but he's wonderful. He really taught us how when you're using a space to really work diagonals. So like, for example, if you're in a black box, I see this time and time again. The director will be using it like they would see a normal stage where it's like the audience and the actors and then they forget there's more people on the side so by using the diagonals you're like oh these people will still be able to see the story happening and this you just never want to leave anybody out so that's something that i always kind of keep in my mind too like a concept i want everybody to be part of the story Um, i never want to leave anybody out so like even in something small like staging that's a big thing uh i sent in marketing with press and then uh we, I do contact reviewers. I always had a really good, uh, loyal review uh, team that would come in from all different press. Now, sometimes, though, you have to be prepared. Uh, some of them might not like your show. Like, they might love one concept, and then they see another show, and they're like, oh, this wasn't the Molly I knew. So they like like one play better than the other. So it's just, you know, it, it, there's a lot of top seat. But at the end of the day, I always tell people, it's like, what happens if you do get a bad review? And not that I've gotten a ton, just every once in a while, somebody's like, well, I like this one play better than this, which is fine. Everybody has an opinion, but you just have to remember, I came here, we made a project together and we did it. And it's not about ego. It's about creating something and creating art. So and yeah. that helps answer <laughs> where you're it, at. So. Well, it does because <laughs> so many, when you talked about, you know, you, you writing it versus hearing it out loud. Yeah. Um, that super resonated with me. Like, like I, I, um, I'm not quite done with fit. I'm not, it's not out yet, but I, uh, I did, the, I did the reading for my book mm-hmm. and yes. things that mm-hmm. I really liked. 
the way I wrote, when I when I had to read them out loud, there were times I'm like, who wrote this garbage? Because when you say it out loud, yes. it's like it doesn't roll. <laughs> That's not the way we speak. So it sounded great in my head. And when I'm reading it quietly, it sounds fine. But when I say it out loud, it feels awkward. So, and then I can imagine that's complicated even more when you've got conversation and a story and an argument or whatever that's happening among multiple people. And then complicating that another step of like, well, where are they actually standing as this is happening for maximum impact for the audience and everything? That's that's fascinating. Uh, And just once again, all the things that, um, I've thought about this too. I've got some, I know some people that are, that have been in the movie business and, and, and I've thought there's certain things like, I feel like I'm curious about, but I don't want to know too much about how the soup is made so that yeah. I'm, I don't, cause like when I started doing improv, then I started analyzing it as I was watching it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. The more I learned yes. about it, the more I saw not like being judgy about mistakes or whatever, but I'm like, and I, cause I do do that to myself as I, cause I was look, sure. looking for learning moments. And le- so then I was like, I had a hard time even just enjoying certain shows because I would be trying, my brain would be trying to study it to learn. To learn. Yeah. Like, Oh, that, yeah, that was, that was, totally. that was a great move. That, that worked really well. Then I'm like, I'm, I'm like not laughing because I'm like, Yes. Does that happen to you sort of with when you watch plays or movies? Yes. Or? Oh my God. Yes. Well, so I wish I had more experience in film and that's something I'm hoping in um, the next year or so to get more into because I'd love to bring a play to like a film version. Just how like you see like a book comes becomes a movie yeah. or a play becomes a movie. Um, I'm loving seeing these like especially with my dance background and music background, love seeing like in the Heights, like become a movie. Um, But for me, definitely when I see a play um, and this happens a lot, if you talk to people in theater, uh, you'll sometimes see a play and you're like, why was that directed? Or why was that choice, you know, done the way that it did. But what I love also the other side of it with theater and with comedy actually is that everything is subjective, right? So everybody has their own, interest in what they like like some people are like yeah like for comedy example like i really like jim gaffigan and some people are like well i really like bo burnham you know like you just have different wavelengths and the same with theater like i'll see something i'm like well i just prefer this but then some people like i can't get into it um i was telling i was telling jimmy the other night like some people really like this like absurd abstract you're not really sure what the story is and like people love it they're like i am so to it versus me i'm like uh i need a beginning a middle and an end and that's just my like i like i need like like if somebody's just walking to music and i have no idea but but then again you know that's just my taste i have friends who love like um some people who are a little bit more abstract are like Sam Shepard. Um, I'm trying to think too, or even that play waiting for Godot still like for me, I, I can't really, it's, it's a play that's done everywhere and I still like, can't get into it, but killer Joe, which has a lot of violence and Tracy Letts and stuff. I'm like, this is so exciting. This is crazy. And it's on stage. So, um, you know, even if you don't know what exactly like what waiting for Godot or killer Joe means, it's just the, the difference and variation of it. So sometimes you do see that and you just have to remember, but you know what? Somebody else chose this. This is their direction. And then you get used to people's directing style and acting style too. You're like, oh, this is a very 
I don't know, Rachel role or something. I don't know. So yes, to answer your question, it does, it does happen that way. And you don't mean for it to happen. You're not judging. You're just like, Oh, okay. Well, that's a choice. There you go. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I, and so, uh, I don't have as much experience with plays as movies, but I was thinking about, as you're thinking about movies that Okay, as promised, that's the end of the first one. This is my first cliffhanger. Are you like on the edge of your seat wondering what's going to happen next? Uh, like I said, uh, this episode, not only I mentioned uh, in the very beginning that uh, in, in that particular instance, it was uh, Molly's laptop that, that the, the battery died. But I've mentioned this before. I've been struggling with multiple sometimes computer equipment related issues and also user error issues and software driver issues and right up to like not even maybe 30 minutes before the show started I was struggling with issues with my interface the that my mic connects into that then connects everything back up to my laptop uh it was breaking and I wasn't sure if it was going to work well enough for the for the um episode and then a couple times my inter- my internet went in and out <laughs> during the episodes like ah what else could happen but molly's a pro and i decided to just like um, that's just gonna i'm gonna leave that as a break i'll have the next episode up in uh on, in a couple days and you'll be able to listen to the rest of it then but molly's amazing come back, listen. She's got all kinds of great uh, lessons and stories. So that's it. That's a wrap. Uh, That was just the only way I could, it just seemed like the most logical place to break it up. So maybe it was right. Maybe it was wrong. I don't know, but that's what I'm doing. So tune in on Thursday and you'll get to hear the rest of Molly's stories. And thank you as always. I hope you learning. I hope you learned something. I hope you're having fun. And uh, as always, enjoy your journey. Thank you. <laughs>